Welcome to The Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chess Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shout outs, fun facts, and weekly banner in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. We're calling this episode Family Ties. <laughs> our, guest, uh, our guest this week is none other than, than Jake Sobey, Sarah Ann Whitbeck's uh, older brother. Pretty excited to have you on, Jake. Thank, thanks for coming. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, what, what you're doing, where you're from. Just give the listeners a little bit of an introduction. Yeah, sure. Uh, born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, just turned 40 this year. Big birthday, which is great. I live up in the Pacific Northwest. We call it Southeast Alaska, just outside of Seattle uh, in Kirkland, Washington. <laughs> great spot. I've got two kiddos, a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old. And I've got I've been married to my wife, Jamie, for 18 years. Hard to believe. Um, she's a military kid, so she lived all over the world. And I work for a golf company. I'm a sales rep for Titleist. Uh, golf balls and clubs and all that in Western Washington. So it's awesome. And because he's my big brother, I get to brag. He's more than just a sales rep. He's salesman of the year, like many years in a row. So Ka-ching. He... <laughs> well, Jake, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, we, we know Sarah in one way, but I'm sure that Jake knows her in another. We feel like we know you, Jake, because she talks about you incessantly. She's obviously very proud of your very important part of her life. But tell us, uh, tell us something about Sarah that we probably don't know. Gosh, something you don't know. Um, oh, I like this. You know how detail-oriented she is. Um, you know how intense she is. Yeah, what you probably don't know is how great of a singer and dancer she is. Um, there were a lot of choreographed numbers growing up. Um, we still know those dances and songs. Uh, we harmonize. Um, we two-step. We do all the things that are important. Yeah, there were a lot of boy band tapes being played in high school when we grew up together. And so, yeah, we're really familiar with those things. Yes, that's actually true. I did do one of my final stitches about the importance of singing in the car. And somehow there was judgment. Oh. Can you believe that? Weird. I thought that was so rude. That is quintessential to, to the end of the day. Jake, it's, if you could if you, you could know. do me a huge favor, I need a, I need a couple of videos yes. of this dancing uh, when you when you get a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, won't be a, that won't be a problem. Yeah. Grandma Grandma Dana has a repository of that type of stuff. <laughs> We're good. Okay. Well, one of the things I was gonna have Jake tell us about his um his experience with COVID because his house is is almost exactly one mile from that um, initial outbreak site, the the nursing, nursing care center where there were what was it, fifty F- patients or something that yeah. that all you know. I mean that first big uh, American location. You know we we obviously have been watching it in Wuhan, Wuhan, and and people were talking about it, but. But that was really the first blush, and suddenly it felt like it just bloomed in that location, and and quite literally one mile from from your house. Yeah, so uh, the Kirkland Nursing Home, uh, there were 57 uh, confirmed cases and almost 40 deaths, which was uh, unfortunate. Three of the the 57 um, were actually members of the same church that I attend, and they... Uh, unfortunately, they lived there full-time at the center. They were not part of the rehabilitation wing. They were part of the long-term uh, living scenario. And one of those three passed away from COVID. The other two did not, and they were in their 90s, wow. contracted COVID, but 
but beat it, I would say, like uh, more than survived. And uh, they're still alive today. Uh, they're, they're, they're still alive and kicking. And um, yeah, so they were, uh, Dr. K knows they were, they're both from Kansas. And so I think they got a lot of, you know, just homegrown, good action out there. Corn. You know, they got a lot of corn in yeah, their system. Yeah, they got a lot of corn. So we're good. <laughs> It made, um, in, in our world, for our family, it just made COVID feel very real because, you know, this tiny, I mean, obviously, you know, having Jake and his family in Seattle, everybody knows where Seattle is, but, but Kirkland is, you know, kind of this small offshoot that not as many people are familiar with. And then suddenly it was at the center of every CNN update for a month. You know, everybody was talking about Kirkland, Washington, and, and it, it did just sort of make... Um, COVID feel very real and very scary to, to suddenly have that all be right at, at kind of the crux of uh, and at the introduction, I think, from the United States perspective. So it was it was a peculiar time for sure. Not that it's, you know, not scary everywhere, especially right now. Um, but I think it, it really brought it home quickly for us. Sarah Ann, I imagine you have some updates for the week for us, yeah? I sure do. Um, so a couple things. We have um, a Mayo survey that went out um, about education um, this last week. If you, It went out in the newsletter, so if you have not noticed it and completed it, please do. You'll also get a separate email about that for people that don't read their email, like Dr. Crisco. Um, also, the NOFO was announced officially, and the... Um, the registration will be opening in the next week. That's on November 10th um, in, in the United States time frame. Um, obviously, there will be a little bit of shift for, for those that are um, on our um, UK or Aussie side. Um, you, can, you can do the mental gymnastics on your time zones. But uh, we're pretty excited about it. There's a morning session and an afternoon session. And we have some pretty cool topics, um, all based on recent research that's come out. Some of it even outside of just the chest wall injury field. So I, I think it's going to be something that everyone will really want to participate in. Um, so it's six to 10 um, in the morning um, mountain time and then two to six mountain time as well. We have two additional items to make note of. Um, the first one is we have a webinar on Wednesday that will be at two o'clock mountain time. Um, and this one is actually about minimally invasive techniques um, and it is very popular. Um, it's in the newsletter, so be sure to keep an eye on it if you haven't already registered. Um, it, it should be really exciting, so um, definitely watch for that one. The other one is our um, evening for the AAST. Anyone who's planning to attend the AAST, we are planning to do a dinner on Thursday evening um, in Atlanta. Um, on That is, is September 30th. We were planning, we are planning to do a dinner as of now. However, um, as uh, the Delta variant continues to wreak havoc on the United States and particularly in um, the southeastern United States, um, I know the WST has been looking at what their plans are for the meeting. They've added a hybrid component, so they will be broadcasting online. We will still plan to have um, a, a dinner and or reception socially distanced with masks as appropriate. Um, but more details will be coming. Just wanted to make sure that people were aware that that, that is still kind of a tenuous situation and hoping to, to see anyone that's planning to attend the WST or within the Atlanta and surrounding area. We would love to, to see as many people as we can to um, 
just see friends and, and faces and bring new new potential members. But um, obviously, we'll we'll just kind of keep that uh, on a TBD basis for now. Have you chosen a venue for that yet, or can I make a suggestion? Um, I would be happy to have a suggestion. I've I have not signed anything. I looked. I should say I have a couple of options available that we're holding. But given that you know it's still kind of tenuous as to whether or not it's going to happen, I haven't um, I haven't decided it whether or not to actually commit to something. So, and no, Mary Max is not an option. It, oh, that's what I was going to say. Exactly, Mary Max. That's where you were going. No. <laughs> no, we will not be having any fried food. Thank you, no. If you've never been to Mary Max in Atlanta, you're missing one of the iconic meals, American meals, and it's just not to be missed. It's not to be repeated, but it's not Thank to you. be missed. <laughs> yes, you have never seen so much fried food on one menu. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't actually seen the Mary Max menu, this is your opportunity to open it up. It's kind of like an upscale Waffle House if you haven't seen it. So this is your chance. Oh, it's better than that. Well, I'll just bring this up. Um, if anyone's listening who is interested, it might be something they could help us with. I you mentioned on Slack, I have an idea for a cadaver study. And so I, I think we need to have as many cadavers as possible for this study. Um, what we're looking at is um, slipped rib syndrome. Um, trying to see actually what the prevalence is in the population of having this finding. Um, because, you know, we have people who come to see us who have this, you know, dislocation or, or more or less like a floating ninth and 10th rib, but how many people actually have pain associated with it and how many people actually have this as a normal variant? Because we're always taught about this costal cartilage that always fits, but, you know, again, I've done three cases in the last two weeks uh, on these patients and every one of them is happy uh, with the results. And so I want to know what the, um, what really the prevalence is. And so there are about five centers already that have emailed me and we've talked about starting some projects. If anyone else out there listening to this fracture line is interested, they can just email me and see if they want to join up, join me as well and, and be part of this study. Um, I need people who have university settings with medical students who have cadaver labs and we'll figure out how to get the IRB and how to get permission to just look at all the cadavers in the lab while they're already being being dissected for other purposes and just take a quick look at those, at those uh, bodies. So um, just uh, another, possibly a CWIS, um, you know, sponsor study once we get everything up and, and running. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting thought. I like that idea. Why don't we do a final stitch and um, Dr. White, you lead us off. Yeah, I have. A, well, I, I've had. I need to welcome two uh, two new uh, infants to the world, Enzo and Nolan Thomas. I've been. Uh, we've been blessed with two grandsons recently, and. Um, uh, I just, I just think they need a shout out yeah. and, yeah. uh, when they're old enough to, uh, converse with us, I'll bring them on the show. Crystal yeah, absolutely. But, uh, welcome Enzo and Nolan. Congratulations. Tom. Welcome. I like it. That's awesome. Thank you. Very exciting. Okay. I'll see mine. So I just, um, you know, listening to the news and everything else, I just, uh, I'm, 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 I'm appealing to society to please get rid of your, uh, get rid of your biases and your um, political beliefs and just let the kids go to school. The school says wear a mask, wear a mask. The kids don't care. They think they're ninjas. They're happy about it. And once everything is done, they'll go back it's to normal. It's true. So it's so true. Let's go. <laughs> um, I have a couple of people I know that are stuck in Afghanistan, and uh, I really just feel for all of our 
people that are stuck there and they're trying to get out and um, I know it's a big mess. I just wish them well. I think about them all the time. So um, it's a bad situation. Well, mine is a little more lighthearted. I, I just, my other screen, I have two screens going. My other screen is um, the November forum agenda. And it has been um, just top of mind lately because we've been trying to finalize it. We want to open registration. And so just confirming every speaker and getting through all of the, the process. And I um, was attending a trade meeting this week and they were talking about um, the the way meetings have changed in the time of COVID, which I, th I think is interesting because people are so much more accustomed to online learning and and specifically YouTube videos, <laughs> which I, I guess is, uh, you know, the way a lot of people, you know, or the style of YouTube videos and the, the attention span of most learners, adult learners was seven to 10 minutes prior to COVID based on, you know, research that had been done. And now it's three to five minutes. And so... On the whole, most associations and societies are now planning talks that are only three to five minutes and just doing them in rapid succession. You know, this, this concept of 30 to 45 minute speakers is no longer, right? And so they were saying you need you know, significantly more speakers, significantly more topics, and just breaking them down, you know, into smaller chunks and, and saying that, you know, obviously that's how we have conversations with colleagues, so we should be teaching that way as well. You know, how long, how often do you really sit down with someone and say, explain everything I need to know about XYZ topic, you know, and then spend 45 minutes talking about it. Not very frequently, right? But much more likely you call a friend and they explain something to you in five or 10 minutes. And that's more practical, more useful, and that we need to be transitioning our education that way. And so we're kind of revamping some of the November forum agenda to match that and holy cow, it is definitely more intense from a planner perspective to be breaking it down into these tiny chunks and packing that many more speakers, that many more topics. You know, it is definitely a lot harder than, you know, than these longer bursts of, of time or these longer stretches of time instead. But, uh, but I do think it will, it will change the education and the way we produce it. Um, and I, I hope it's more engaging. We'll, we'll see what happens in November and if people like it. Um, because I think it'll it'll modify what we do in the summit in the in the spring and some of those things. So we'll be looking for feedback. Very Until cool. Then. So my final stitch has to do with the medical profession, even in the golf industry. And I'm sorry that uh, it takes two seconds to explain. Phil Young lived in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and he owned a rubber processing company. He was playing a match against a physician, a radiologist in New Bedford. He struck a putt in 1930 and realized that the putt wobbled offline. And he suspected that he had hit the putt perfectly, but that the ball was out of round. So sure enough, they went and took x-rays of the golf ball and found that the core was not centered in the golf ball and that the ball, in fact, was more egg-shaped than circular. And so he developed the Akushnet Rubber Processing Company. It took him three years, but he developed a perfectly round and a perfectly spherical golf ball where the core was perfectly placed in the middle. So you never know where these applications from medicine or from <laughs> higher education come from. It's pretty cool that a radiologist influenced golf for the rest of time in New Bedford, Massachusetts. So you never know where the good stuff comes from. That's my final stitch. There's only one title. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> That's right. That's a good one. I like That's that That's exactly one. the selling point. Well, I guess that's it for this week's episode. Uh, Jake, thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed meeting you. Glad uh, to be here. Thank you. Thanks for all. Of your, I, I like every tweet. 
I like every Instagram post for Seaways. I'm a supporter. That's awesome. He's Fam all in. Family ties. He's all in. Yep, for sure.